Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society at Seven Grand, we explore the amazing new line of whiskey barons from the Wild Turkey Distillery. We tried the Long Branch, the Rare Breed, which is I think probably the best bang for the buck whiskey in the world, the Bond and Lillard and the Old Rippy, and we had LA's own national brand ambassador from Wild Turkey in the house, Mr. Benny Perwitz. Fucked up his last name. <laughs> right? That's what it is, right? Yep, that is it. Perwitz. Don't cut that out. We like it. Let's keep it raw. So, oh, yeah. yeah, we keep it raw just like that. Oh, Woo! Wow. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. Coming in hot, baby. Oh, yeah, this is that fun. energy. Right? I'm excited. This is a Tuesday night whiskey society. We just had one last night, so you guys are intrepid in your desire to learn more about whiskey, clearly. Mm-hmm. But it's a special night tonight. I'm, I'm really excited about what we're bringing in. This is going to be really, really exciting tasting. Um, but we do have LA's own, the one and only, Mr. Benny Hurwitz in the house from Wild Turkey. Yeah. Hey. He's an L.A. boy, but he rarely gets to be here now anymore. Don't tell his wife, but he's gone about half the time now, all over the place. Um, but Benny, man, tell us about this new line. This is called the Whiskey Barons yes. series. So what's that all about? What does that mean? So the Whiskey Barons is something that's actually more of a brainchild of our global brand whiskey brand ambassador, uh, Robin Cooper, as well as our we love head Robin. of... He's yeah. got a bottle on the cabinet. Oh yeah, he's you a regular. He's so, he warned me about you, don't worry. He, uh, <laughs> so really a brainchild of him and a couple other guys, including basically the supervisor of all like science and technology at the distillery. Uh, this was a series they came up with, more of a heritage series to kind of pay homage to distilleries and distillers that came from Anderson County where Wild Turkey is located, uh, but ones that obviously came well before us. That's really, really yeah. cool. So there's, these are brands that predate Wild Turkey, but were made at, at that distillery site before Wild Turkey existed. Is that right? So in the case of Old Rippy. That was the that old distillery, right? Essentially the old distillery, the same property. Uh, only recently in 2010 did we build a new distillery at Wild Turkey. Before that, from 2009 and before, we were using a distillery that was built in 1891. So we actually have two warehouses that we still use today, one built in 1894 and the other one from the early 1900s. Um, We didn't really build many for decades and decades after that because we went into prohibition and stuff. But there's a lot of history down there. And old Rippy and the Rippy brothers are kind of who paved the way for that area of Lawrenceburg or more specifically Tyrone, Kentucky. And then the Bond and Lillard, which is the other expression we're going to talk about from that series. it was mere miles away as well. So essentially, okay. like I said, brands that come from this area, brands that were pretty renowned and ahead of their time. And so you've reinvigorated these old brands. Now, did you guys like find old barrels and try to like reverse engineer the, the flavor profile? Or is this wild turkey that's been kind of blended using different whiskeys to kind of match the way that the whiskeys used to taste. So the whiskey is produced at Wild Turkey and they weren't necessarily old barrels or lost barrels that you may like other brands have maybe hinted to or said for such heritage series or similar things. But 
what we did was we dug deep into the archives. We actually met Ro or Robin and Norm. They really did this kind of history project and met with living members of the Rippy family and got to dig into some archives, tasting notes, and even samples in some cases of these whiskeys to try to recreate the flavor profiles. But essentially, the people don't understand, like a lot of these big boys, they, they make whiskey all day long, but like essentially Wild Turkey makes their rye and then they make their bourbon and all the expressions that Wild Turkey offers are just a matter of barrel selection. They're not doing a bunch of different mash bills there. They're really doing like the one mash bill that they know how to do really, really well all the time. Like for instance, if you understand like what the Wild Turkey 101 and Wild Turkey 80 are about is, you know, Jimmy, who's been the only master distiller for Wild Turkey the entire time, right? Uh, so Wild Turkey as a brand actually started in 1940, right around then, 1942, when it was like officially hitting stores and things. Uh, Jimmy Russell started in 1954, okay. so just 12 years later. But he's been now doing it for 63 60, years? 60, he just celebrated 64 years? 64 years on September 10th. <sighs> Jimmy Russell is the longest tenured master distiller in the world. And he's still there at the distillery. Last time Absolutely. I was there, he's, he's slowed down in the last couple of years considerably, but he's still there. Like he can't get away from that distillery. He's, he, he just, he will not retire. He won't. And I mean, he says he'll retire one day when it actually feels like a job. Uh, you know, <laughs> you guys come here because you love whiskey. We do this because we love whiskey. And it's the same thing that Jimmy Russell's done for over six decades. He's got a son, Eddie Russell, who he calls the new guy. He started in <laughs> 1981. So together, Jimmy and Eddie Russell, they have over 100 years experience in making bourbon. And it's all at Wild Turkey. And so but what I was going back to, like those big boys who were, you know, just kind of making their jam. They've got their mash bill. They know how to make it. And mm -hmm. they're the best in the world at doing it. And the different expressions are actually created through barrel selection. So if you imagine the Wild Turkey 80, the Wild Turkey 101, it's like Jimmy's drawing X's through the rack house every day or whoever the, the current kind of master yeah, blender yeah. is. So to create Wild Turkey, you just are taking, if the rack house has, you know, seven stories and it's tis, tin whiskeys, uh, tin barrels across, you're like drawing this X through the rack house, taking some from the top, some from the bottom, and some through the middle. Now, that same whiskey can be used to make a completely different expression in, in for instance, uh, Russell's Reserve is just pulling off the fourth and fifth uh, yep. floors of the rack houses. So just by simply, instead of drawing that X to the rack house, just by taking it right through the core, you create a completely different flavor profile of whiskey. So it's all about barrel selection. I don't think people understand that so mm -hmm. much. It's like, you can do so much with just the way that you select your barrels. Is that kind of what's going on here? Yes, in a, in a way, yes. All, like you said, all of our products are really, it's that art of batching that makes them different, different bottle proofs, different ages, different floors. So you guys probably know, but in a warehouse, we have seven floor warehouses. We don't call them seven story because the ceilings are really low, but seven floors. Each floor has separation, which is gonna separate it and give it a different microclimate a century. So when you walk in on a 90 degree day on the summer, it's instantly gonna be a little cooler on that bottom floor. But as you go up and get to that seventh floor, it's gonna be almost 115 degrees inside. Or and even more, I've been up on the roof of the Wild Turkey yeah. uh, rooftop and it, it, I think it was like 130 degrees up there. Yeah, it, it gets so up hot. there. And again, that just depends on how hot it is outside as well. 
But those microclimates and those different levels of temperature and humidity are what play a huge role in the maturation process. And that's what we love. That's what we embrace. We want all those differences on different floors. And then again, like Pedro was you know, saying, we use different floors. So for something like Wild Turkey 101, which we consider a larger batch, about 1,500 barrels, which in honestly, in some larger producers, 1,500 barrels could be a small batch to them. For us, we consider that a larger batch, and that's a mixed batch. We really do want stuff zigzagging like X's, some from the top floors, the middle floors, the lower floors, to batch together to create that general profile for Wild Turkey 101, that caramel, that vanilla, that spice, that astringency, that pretty much the four words that Jimmy uses to describe the stuff. Um, but with Russell's, we draw from those middle floors. So as I was saying, each floor is a different temperature. Think of it as Goldilocks and the three bears. The top's really hot, the bottom's real cold, the middle's just right. So that's where we pull for Russell's. Typically older barrels, 10 years for bourbon, uh, about six years and older for rye. And they age a little gracefully there where it's not too hot and it's not too cold. And that's basically Russell's Reserve, that's Eddie's kind of yes that's the I would definitely describe that as Eddie's profile right. so tonight with what we're going to taste we're going to taste something that's a little bit of Eddie's profile first but it's also a little bit of someone else's profile that we'll talk about and then some classic things like rare breed which are really more Jimmy Russell style of bourbon and then again we'll get into these vintage heritage style bottlings that we've done recently and if you haven't tried the latest releases of the Rare Breed, your mind will be blown. It's some of the best whiskey in the world. That's what we're trying tonight. Oh, oh I'm yeah. excited. Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> this is the latest it's just, it just snuck up on me. I didn't know. I'm a little weird. I just got in from Denver. We just had the grand opening for Seven Grand Denver, uh, the official grand opening on Friday night. If you guys get out to Denver, please come check it out. It's a beautiful bar, and it's a whiskey mecca for the people of Colorado. We're really excited about it. So uh, if you have a stopover, make sure it's about an 18-hour stopover. <laughs> Give yourself time to recover, mm -hmm. which I did not do just now. <laughs> I had my flight delayed twice today, so I was sleeping on the floor of the airport for a couple hours this afternoon. Very glamorous. Very glamorous. Very glamorous. Um, but tell us about this old rippy here. What is this? Well, actually, oh, no, we're, we're starting doing the long with Long Branch. branch. Okay, all right. So just to jump back Thank a little you, and touch more on Wild Turkey's history before we dive straight into Long Branch, but feel free to sip a little, maybe save a little for once I actually talk about it. But like I said, the brand started in 1940. From 1940 to about 1970, all we made was Wild Turkey 101. That's why today it's still our benchmark statement. After that, we came out with Wild Turkey Liqueur, which was actually the first honey-flavored bourbon in the 1970s. We also adventured into some lower-proof bourbons as trends started to go towards lighter whiskeys and clear spirits and things like that in the 70s and 80s. We did some 86.8 proof, um, but we always kept true to being Kentucky straight bourbon. And I think that's the real big part about Wild Turkey. And a, there was four brands, I won't name them all, but four that held true to being Kentucky straight bourbon all through the bourbon glut and that era where whiskey just really wasn't popular. And those are the four most popular high selling bourbon brands today and Wild Turkey's one of them. So it's because we've always held true to what we do. Um, nowadays, we've got Jimmy's son, Eddie. Like I said, the new guy, he's only been there 37 years. But Eddie likes to experiment a little more, right? So Eddie wants to try new things. For the majority of his life, he'd said, hey, dad, let's do, well, he doesn't actually call him dad, he calls him Jimmy, but he's like, hey, Jimmy, let's do, 
let's venture into this proof range or let's mess around with this or that, change something, try another mash bill, whatever, you know? No, no. His whole life, he pretty much thought his name was no at that point. <laughs> but nowadays, Eddie has really taken the reins. He is our master distiller as well. Jimmy is still considered the master distiller until the day he legitimately retires, which is probably gonna be never. But Eddie is the master distiller now as well, and he gets to call some shots. So he wants to tinker a little more. We've started the Master's Keep series, which you guys may have seen around. It's a once a year release where we're showcasing some of the oldest whiskeys we've ever put in the bottle. Real whiskey drinker whiskeys. Our newest one is actually a sherry finished uh, 12 to 15 year old batch of 101, which is phenomenal. Just doing some cool different stuff, right? So Long Branch, which we're, we're about to taste now, is just that. It's a little more of an experiment. It's something we created that we didn't have in our portfolio before. Something a little more approachable, a little more accessible, because whiskey is so popular right now. We want to have something for everyone. So this is actually the first whiskey we've collaborated or had endorsed by a celebrity, if you will, outside of the Russell's family that I personally consider celebrities, in the bourbon world at least. Matthew McConaughey. So we've got Matthew McConaughey uh, working with us on this, and he signed on almost four years ago, and this whiskey just came out this year. So this has been a long project. Um, he started promoting Wild Turkey, though, a few years back. He got to go to the distillery. We call him the creative director. I think we let him give himself that title, but he actually obviously stars in the commercials, but he actually writes and directs them as well. So he takes pride in this. He wants to showcase his love for bourbon and wild turkey specifically, of course. But that said, he's not the most experienced bourbon drinker. He loves some light beer. He likes his mix of things, some tequila, what have you. So we really wanted to create a bourbon again that was a little more approachable, something that he could drink straight or on the rocks. You know, right out of the bottle. We don't, he doesn't want to add anything to it, basically. So with Long Branch, what we have is a batch of eight-year-old bourbon. It's bottled at 86 proof, so a bit lower than our classic 101. But before it's bottled, it actually goes through a charcoal refining process, something mm. that's very new to wild turkey. So with wild turkey, as you know, Pedro is hinting to, we're very traditional. One mash bill for bourbon, and one for rye. And will you tell us what that mash bill is, Benny? Come on, you can oh, man, do it. Not while I'm being recorded, I guess. Yeah, come on, tell us. Maybe after. Jimmy, Jimmy, we'll just talk, put your we'll fingers in off. I've tried to ask Jimmy so many times. I'm trying to keep my job. So, <laughs> um, one recipe though. So, all this whiskey on any given day when it's going into a barrel, it's exactly the same. So that maturation process, those different floors, that all comes into play when creating these products. And with this one, we wanted something that was a little more honeyed, a little softer, a little fruitier. So we went through essentially like a charcoal finishing or charcoal filtration style of process with this. So what people don't realize, charcoal filtration, typically reserved for Tennessee whiskey, if you know the Lincoln County process, but that's actually where the whiskey is charcoal filtered before it's aged. With us, we're not just dumping it through a char covered filter, we're actually doing more of a steeping, if that makes sense. So imagine a large, a large matured vat tank of bourbon. We're gonna add char to that inside basically a large mesh basket. And we're gonna circulate that with the propeller for 24 hours. We're gonna do that for one day with American oak char, same char that you're getting from bourbon barrel. And then one day with Texas mesquite char. Whoa. So basically char is a natural filter, as you guys know, that's why 
we use it as such. And that's why you char the inside of a barrel as well. It's going to pull out some of those funkier notes, convert some of those fusel alcohols over time. You can um, think of it as polishing the whiskey. The char essentially polishes yeah. the whiskey. It takes the rough edges off, makes it more sippable. It changes yeah. the texture in your mouth even, you know, it makes it more tannic. It, it totally has a lot of effect on, on, on the whiskey itself. I mean, carbon is a super dense molecule. It has a lot of surface area. It grabs onto a lot of things in the barrel. Mm -hmm. So you guys are steeping so this mesquite in there too? And this is actually a process, from what I understand, uh, it's not too far off from how they filter certain rums. If you've ever seen a three-year-old rum that almost looks perfectly clear, they're not just pouring it through a charcoal filter. They're actually steeping that char so that it's pulling everything in, and then they filter the whole vat. And that's what really pulls out the color. So they say with some Tennessee whiskeys, charcoal filtering doesn't take out color. It actually does take a little bit. But with this whiskey, that's something we were willing to do because the whiskey itself is already eight years old. It's got plenty of color. You know, we're not age stating this whiskey either because we don't necessarily associate age with quality. We found with this whiskey, we actually tried six and seven year old whiskeys through this filtration process. We didn't get the same end result, the flavor we were looking for. But again, that flavor that you guys are tasting now, something a little lighter than your classic wild turkey. Even our wild turkey bourbon, which comes in at 81 proof, well below the 101, this is even a little lighter than that, if you ask me, even though it's higher in proof. Well, let's and check I, this out. So stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth, and let's talk about what food words you're reminded of. Or, or it could be, it doesn't have to be a food word, it could mustard be seeds. mustard seeds. Wow. Honey? Clover honey. All right, all right. Ooh, yeah. What else? What else? Coffee, okay. He's rubbing it in his hand. There you go, yeah. So that's another thing you could do. Do what this gentleman is doing. Put some on your hands, rub it around, and really open it up on your skin. Really, all the aroma will be present there. Now tap it over your tongue, because sometimes your nose will tell you one thing, and then the whole experience changes once you get it on your tongue. So how does that change? Share that experience with us now. Definitely, I'm getting that bubble gum. The floral note is very... There, I get this little bit of, yeah, nuttiness, and there's a little tiny touch of that mesquite. I get that little yeah. smoke underneath. Very subtle, I'm surprised. I thought it was going to be like kind of a, a very kind of dominant part of the flavor profile because no, mesquite can it's come really, really It's strong. really subtle, but we did want to incorporate that mesquite for sure. I mean, you know, Matthew McConaughey is actually born in Texas, uh, but his parents met at the University of Kentucky. So we really want to kind of bring the best of both together. And like I said, at Wild Turkey, we make Kentucky straight bourbon and straight rye. So that's what this is. That's what we'll make. But we wanted to tie it into Texas. That mesquite doesn't overpower. It doesn't make it a, a smoke bomb by any means. But there is that subtle extra hint of char, smoke, and sweetness that I really love. So the, the three major mash bills of bourbon, you've got your weeded bourbons, which are like the Pat Van Winkle Maker's Marks of the world. Uh, and then you've got a traditional mash bill. Mm -hmm. Now, you can't tell me the exact specs of the mash bill, but would you consider this a traditional mash bill or a high rye mash bill? So I would technically consider rye, wild turkey a more traditional pre-prohibition style of mash bill. So you could even go as far to say high barley. High barley. So with us, so I'll give you a vague form of what our mash bill is looking like. Over 70% corn, over 10% barley, the middle is rye. So we drink like a high rye because of the quality rye that we use and the way that we cook our grains. Also our yeast strain. 
You guys may be familiar with some other distilleries that use multiple yeast strains to capture different flavors, whether they're fruity or sweet or spicy. Four Roses. Yep. So we have kind of that spicy yeast that really helps. And open air fermentation, right? Yep. So we're open air. We have 23, soon to be 24, 30,000 gallon stainless steel fermentation tanks. We also use a proprietary yeast. So when Jimmy Russell started at Wild Turkey in 1954, he learned from a guy named Bill Hughes, who was our distiller before Prohibition as well. So these things have been passed along. You know, back then, people didn't have chemistry degrees going into working in distilleries and becoming distillers. These, this knowledge was passed down and you were taught and you learned hands-on. So our mash bill, and our yeast have been passed down for generations. And we know at least since 1954, when Jimmy's been there, we've been using the same formulas. But we very well believe that our stuff predates prohibition and that you could even trace it back to the 1800s, you know, in the days of, of the Rippies and stuff. Wow, I think that's really nice. I love it. it's softer on the palate because of the lower proof, but you do get this nice smoke and char on the finish yeah. it still really stands up that's really cool if i was going to buy a bottle for my home bar what would the long branch run me at the local liquor store i think about 35 40 bucks right. so i mean considering it's it's eight-year-old whiskey it's really approachable it's one of those whiskeys you have at your house when your friends come over and maybe they're not big whiskey drinkers but you can Thank say you. hey try this give give bourbon another shot and it's not only a good intro to wild turkey it's a great intro to the category of absolutely bourbon. yeah long Cheers. branch Oh, is this mine? That's yours, Benny. Oh, cool. I have two now. <laughs> so Stephanie just came around with the second mark. And that this is the rare breed that is. Yeah. So this is this rare breed. Um, is, rare breeds awesome in general. And let's talk about where it comes from, what it is. Right. So Jimmy Russell, very traditional for the first 20 something years of his career. All he made was Wild Turkey 101. Uh, wasn't until again the 70s and 80s we expanded with wild turkey liqueur with honey, which is now called American honey. You've probably seen that around still. And then some lower proof stuff. But something else that came around in the early 80s was a 12 year old 101 bourbon that we're really famous for um, nowadays on secondary markets. Bottles of 12 year old 101 from the 80s go for like 500 bucks or more. Just ridiculous. But in my opinion, well worth it. Um, this stuff's delicious. Anyway, the next thing after that was Rare Breed in 1991. So this brand is obviously one of our staples as well. It's been around for decades. And this is Jimmy Russell in a glass. I mean, you could really say that about Wild Turkey 101 and Kentucky Spirit, if you guys know that one, with that cool turkey-shaped decanter-looking bottle. gorgeous whiskey. Great whiskey. Yeah, we have we have more than one yeah. seven grand single bars that we've, we bought. And I might have had some of that right before this as well. Um, <laughs> But the, those three expressions are very iconic. They're Jimmy Russell in a bottle. So that classic profile, caramel, vanilla, spice, but you can dive deeper into those tasting notes, which we will here in a moment. But let's talk about the specs, what, what this whiskey is comprised of. So back when this came out in 1991, it was one of the first barrel-proof bourbons on the market. Nowadays, I mean, that's a hit word. Like, people who are enthusiasts, they want to try higher proof stuff. They want to see what it would be like to actually taste it out of the barrel if you were at the distillery. They also want to add their own water, right? Kind of mess around with the flavor and get it right where they like it. And that's what barrel proof offers. But back in the early 90s, 
that really wasn't a thing, you know? People were trending towards lighter spirits and just, you know, it was the martini craze, all that stuff. So Jimmy at the time says, nope, we're not gonna change. We're actually gonna go the opposite direction and re release barrel proof. So I don't know this for a fact, but I, th I think of Rare Breed, the name, and the fact and the time period that it came out, it was only a probably a rare breed that was actually drinking that, you know? Because it was much higher proof whiskey when people were trending towards lighter stuff. So at Wild Turkey, we haven't changed a lot over the years, but one thing that we changed in the early 2000s was our barrel entry proof. So if you guys may or may not know, with bourbon, there's a lot of laws. Bourbon is the most restricted whiskey of everything, even more than scotch. We can't add anything to it after it's aged except water. There's a lot of laws about distillation proofs and barrel entry proofs. So with bourbon, you can't go into the barrel over 125 proof. With wild turkey, we go in at 115. Back in the day when Jimmy started, the legal maximum was 110 proof. So much lower. So for us, we try to keep true to that lower barrel entry proof because we are that pre-prohibition style of whiskey, right? So back then with Rare Breed at a lower barrel entry proof, which for us before 2006 was about 107. So we would see Rare Breed come out and get batched together and it'd be about 108 proof whiskey. Now, several decades later, the newest batch, we're at 116.8. So a little bit higher, but not like crazy high. I mean, there's a lot of whiskeys, a lot of bourbons out there. I'm sure you guys have seen them. They go into the barrel at 125 proof. Not that that's a bad thing, but with higher alcohol content, you're gonna get a faster interaction with the oak and a faster extraction of flavor. Some people want that. We want ours to age more gracefully longer, so we go in at a lower entry proof. That's why I love wild turkeys, because it just has a little bit of a softer barrel effect to it. That lower proof entry point, it makes for an easier sipping bourbon, in yeah. my opinion. Um, so. Talking again, you got the 101, you're batching up like 1,500 uh, yep. barrels to a bottling. Right. Um, and then the Kentucky Spirit, that's it's, all single barrel. That's a single barrel. So this is barrel proof. And often the Kentucky Spirit, you, you when you do the single barrels, those are at cast strength as well, Those are right? 101, actually. Oh, okay, so yeah. they're brought down. Okay, mm -hmm. so this is kind of in between those two things. It's a small batch, I'm taking it. Yeah, like, so you guys probably know, small batch, just like the term high rye, they're essentially marketing terms. There's no law saying that a small batch can't be over this amount of barrels. It's all relative to your operation. But for us, a small batch, which we don't even put on the label with rare breed, and that also goes for Russell's 10-year-old and Russell's six-year-old rye, those are 150 barrel batches. So considering wild turkey, we're one distillery. Every drop, which way am I going? Every drop of wild turkey for the entire world comes from our one distillery in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. We make about 8 million gallons off the still a year. 150 barrel batch is pretty small. It's more than relatively small, if you ask me. Yeah, so, and, and that what they have there is this gigantic copper column still, Bertha, yep, right? all copper. Big Bertha. 52 feet, 19 plates, stripping plates. And then we have the doubler. So there's two stills. The whiskey comes off that first still at about 125-ish. And then it comes off that second still below 130. So that one's really just like a quick finishing. We're not cooking it up. Again, talking about max distillation proofs with bourbon, you can't distill above 160 proof. 
at that point, if you go 160, you're getting into the range of like neutral grain spirit. Yeah, you're making vodka at that point. The whole point of whiskey is to retain the identity of the base agricultural product that it's made from. Yeah. You want to know what it's made of when you taste it. Yeah, and you're also retaining a lot of fusel alcohols or congeners, as you may have heard. So like methanols, protonols, butanols, these more complex alcohols, they're not necessarily great to drink on their own, but over time in a barrel with oxygen and ethanol as they age, those are the fusel alcohols. Those are the alcohols that are gonna convert into the fruitier flavors and more complex flavors. So we distill below 130 proof, whereas the legal maximum for bourbon is 160. We keep it low because we want to retain all those funkier alcohols because those are what are going to convert into these cooler things. Because like I said, we barrel at a lower proof and we age a lot longer for our baseline products to create these flavors. So stick your nose in the glass here on this rare breed because I think that this is some of the best whiskey that I've tasted this year, hands down. This awesome. rare breed is absolutely insane. As you tap this over your tongue, what are you reminded of? Caramel and soy sauce. Caramel and soy sauce. Hey Dave, what are you getting? On the nose, uh, toffee and coffee bean. Yep. Toffee and coffee bean, that's great. Yeah, tap it over your tongue now. So it's 116 proof. That higher alcohol content is going to push the flavor profile forward. It should actually, when you sip something that's above 115 proof, it's actually a lot of times easier to get those food words in your mind because it's mm -hmm. not watered down at all. It's like really, really upfront. Yeah. What are you getting? With this, with wild turkey, or I'm sorry, with rare breed specifically, what I wanted to add was that the batch, not only being that smaller batch, we're specifically using six, eight, and 12-year-old barrels for this. Wow. And that's what this is designed around. I think the 12, even though it is um, the smallest component of the batch, we use it like a seasoning. With us, old whiskey is, it can get oaky and tannic, so you don't always want to just overload your whiskey with that. But I like some of those subtle, like musty characteristics. I almost get like this dark cherry kind of mm -hmm. note. Black cherry. And for then sure. like some sweeter woods, like cedar and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's really astringent too on the palate. That, that extra oak is really drying, you know, like it lifts up across your palate. The structure is really, really great on this whiskey. Yes. So with bourbon, you can only use new charred American oak barrels. But yes, 12 year old barrels, eight, and six make up the batch. And that's old. In the world of bourbon, I mean, we talk about 12-year-old scotches, 16-year-old scotches all the time. Kentucky gets so much more evaporation. It's so much hotter there that it, you can consider it almost twice as old. Like, a 12-year-old bourbon is like a 20-year-old scotch, you know, in terms of, like, how much barrel action has, has been going on here. And money is And money, yes. It's like Stephanie points out is that the, the Kentucky... Uh, Whiskey makers, they have to pay tax by the barrel. The taxman doesn't come around and measure how much whiskey's in the barrel. They just count the barrels, and you have to pay full tax on the barrel, no matter how much evaporation's taken place. So there's millions and millions of dollars of tax revenue that's given to the government on essentially air. It's nothing. It's all gone. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, with a 10-year-old bourbon barrel, you're lucky to yield about half half of that barrel after 10 years, so. You guys, what do you think of this rare breed? Right? Amazing. And keep Amazing. in mind, this is 20 proof points higher than what you just tasted. Actually, 30 proof points. Wow. What people don't realize uh, about barrel proof bourbon, there's a little leeway actually by two proof points. 
So you, through filtration, will lose a couple proof points. But still. It is, it is that art behind this and that maturation process as we're talking about those different floors, those different barrels, that heat and humidity plays a huge role in the proof that it comes out. But we utilize that. We utilize higher proof barrels from high floors, older lower proof barrels from low floors to batch and keep that proof consistent. And Jimmy kind of hand select these these batches. Is he like a lot of control? Yeah, I mean like forever, forever, of course. I Thank mean Jimmy is a little more hands off now. Yeah. In the tasting, um, he's still there five days a week. You will most likely see him there if you visit. Um, but he's there to meet people. You know, he is Jimmy Russell's the original ambassador, not just for wild turkey, but for the bourbon industry. So about thirty years ago, right in the in the middle of bourbon just not being popular, Jimmy Russell hit the road. You know, he traveled the world, Japan, Australia, all these places. And it's something else when you meet the guy who actually makes the stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. And he's really the one who started that and got his his peers, Booker, Elmer, Parker, these guys, they all started kind of doing the things. They all really followed each other's trends all through the 80s and 90s, whether it was with releasing barrel-proof bourbon or single barrel or whatever it was. You know, you could notice if you look at the timelines of Jim Beam, Wild Turkey, uh, Buffalo Trace, which used to be Ancient Age at the time, um, and uh, Heaven Hill. You know, they all kind of did the same stuff around the same time periods. Really, really great stuff. I'm in love with that rare breed. So Stephanie just came around and brought you all a little taster of the Bond and Lillard. Okay, so tell us about the history of this Bond and Lillard. What, what's the story behind this brand? So, like I said, this is kind of an heritage, a heritage series. So we're paying homage to distilleries that came before us in Anderson County. So we're located in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, which is in Anderson County. More specifically, you could say Tyrone, Kentucky. You can break these areas down into their smaller little neighborhoods or hollers, as we call them. Uh, but Bond and Lillard came from uh, originally a distillery started by a man named uh, John Bond in, or yeah, not James Bond, but um, cousins. Bond. They're cousins. John Bond. Yeah, this predates that a bit. So this is about 1820 was the first time that we saw Bond, the Bond family in the distilling industry. Um, it wasn't till several decades later of passing down through generations that his son, W.F. Bond, partnered with his brother-in-law, C.C. Lillard. There's a lot of initials as well back then. And they started the Bond and Lillard uh, distillery in the late 1860s. Wow. So. I mean, when we say heritage series, there's a lot going on here. And if you look at these, these the cool thing about this, I, they brought back these old labels. It really, the bottles look really cool. They've got that old world look to them. And they got the perfect size to fit in my purse. Ah, <laughs> that's my girl. <laughs> so um, the, what's the flavor profile that we're going for? So you kind of reinvigorated this yes. old brand. And how were you able to tweak it using the juice that you had to kind of match that flavor profile of what you envisioned it used to taste yeah. like? So with Bond and Lillard, it was a whiskey that was pretty renowned uh, right after the turn of the century. So about 1904, it was awarded the grand prize at the St. Louis World's Fair. So back then in the early 1900s, the World's Fairs weren't just like your county fair that you go to. This was a 
a meeting ground where you exchanged oh, yeah. ideas from around the world. It was a meeting you know? of the minds globally. There's a lot of Absolutely. science was going on at the World Fair. So this you know? was a whiskey that at the time literally took the grand prize for, for whiskey. And that's what we wanted to recreate. So we went with a lighter profile here. So this is a whiskey where you're going to get some of those lighter kind of herbal floral notes, almost like a vanilla sugar cookie kind of thing going on. Were, were you able to find any old, super old cases of Bond and Lillard and actually taste it and try to kind of recreate the flavor profile? So yes, with both of these, Robin and Norm, who really, this was their their baby that they saw all the way through. I mean, at the time when they started thinking of this project, it was probably almost 10 years ago. So at the time, Eddie and Jimmy, they were fully committed with projects with Russell's Reserve and Wild Turkey and coming up with new stuff and just things going on. So these guys really spearheaded this one. So they did, they dove into archives. They met with families from that area who actually recall these brands when they were a thing, found tasting notes in old journals and actually did taste old whiskey. So That's this is cool. about a seven-year-old batch of whiskey. It's bottled at 100 proof. But before it's bottled, it is charcoal filtered. So ah, okay. that is what makes this really different. With wild turkey, we don't charcoal filter. The first thing that we've ever even charcoal refined, actually, as we call it, is the long branch, which we tasted first. This is the only other thing that's ever been charcoal filtered at our facility and then put in a bottle, at least. And so just American white oak charcoal? On yeah. the filter for this Classic one? Classic American char, white oak char. And, and done in the more traditional style where you do have a, a thin paper filter with char resting on top and you pour the vat through that after it's been matured. So just for the record, like Tennessee whiskey, that's maple sugarwood. That's sugar maple. So mm -hmm. it's a different kind of filtration going on. This is American oak. So... Let's let's find out what that means. Like, what are you guys getting? As you stick your nose in that glass, you breathe in gently through your mouth. What are you reminded of? Apple candy. Oh yeah, I get that. Like Jolly Rancher, uh, the the apple Jolly Ranchers. Cinnamon. All right. What are you getting, Natalie? I get those. When I was a kid, I you had the oranges and you'd stick the whole cloves into and then hang them. Ah. Uh, like the yeah. really close. Definitely aspect. orange peel. Oh yeah, big time. That's awesome. That's great. Maria, what do you get? Like a malted character oh, too, a little bit like reminiscent of the older style of whiskey for so sure. So more of that barley influence coming through. Apricot, is that what you said? Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, really strong citrus note. I really like that. And this one is coming. Uh, so it is uh, level four. So with, with wild turkey, that's what we're using across the board. And, um, and then have you, you've seen this operation where they're doing the the charcoal filtration, shh. So it's a big, huge uh, paper micron filter. Yep. With, what does the char, pieces of char look like on that I mean, that they're all different uh, shapes and sizes, but you know, no more than like fist size, but you gotta think large vats, you know, thousands of liters of whiskey are getting dumped through. This is a very large filter. And so the pieces of wood are like, like kind of charcoal briquette size yep. or even bigger? And are they charred all the way, or are there pieces of wood that's not completely charred? They're charred all the way, okay. yeah. Interesting. What do you guys think of this one? Bond and Lillard. Yeah, this stuff's yeah, awesome. Right? And something it's else, a, actually. It's a chugger. With this whiskey, um, this was a this whiskey baron series, I mean, 
altogether is pretty limited. We do, we release these once a year. So these two that we're tasting tonight were actually released late 2017. Um, California just happens because it's such a big state, we get bigger allocations. So I mean, Seven Grand is going to be one of the only places you can actually come and still get this whiskey because oh, wow. it's, you know, it came out over a year ago. And these, so these are 375s, not full-size uh, yeah. bar liters. And from what I understand, you know, back in that time period, right at the turn of the century, smaller bottles was kind of a thing. For and sure. then when we went into Prohibition, pints were the only thing you could get. You know what I mean? So it's kind of reminiscent of that as well. And, and even to this day, people still collect the small bottles because there was a whole history that people had a certain idea that the whiskey actually tasted better out of smaller bottles. People collected small bottles because they just had an affection for them. They really liked the way that the whiskey tasted when it came out of the smaller bottles. There's a whole tradition to it. Scotland as well. What else are you guys getting as you tap that over your tongue? Oh, man. I'm really getting that apple now. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, apple and orange and clove. It's like green apple. Delicious. Okay, so I think we've used up our glass for now. Stephanie's going to come around with the old rippy, but make it easy for her. you. You've got water on your table. You can rinse out a glass, pour it into your dump bucket, but show her an empty glass so she doesn't have to struggle to guess where she's supposed to be pouring this. Yeah, and if you don't have a of water at your table, please share with your neighbors. Well, if you guys like that one, I think you'll really like the next one. If you liked Rare Breed also, this next one might hit home a little for you as well. So did everybody get a little taster there of the old Rippy? Stephanie's making her way through the back room now. Thank you. Beautiful. I'm excited about this. Yeah. So tell us about this, the, the history of this. this. This similar to the whiskey, I mean, Lisa and Robin, and, and who's the other creator of this? Uh, Norm. Norm. Yeah. So Robin and Norm, this is what they attribute to kind of what the style might have been like at Old Rippy before it was Wild Turkey, that right. old distillery. So again, just keep in mind, Wild Turkey, we've been around for over 75 years, since 1940-ish. But again, we've been distilling on that plot of land since 1869, and that's because of the Rippies. So the Rippies settled in Kentucky from Ireland around 1940. They probably uh, immigrated to the US even earlier than that before they made their way to Kentucky. Um, it was two brothers that really started in that Tyrone area. If you guys, as I mentioned, Tyrone, Kentucky, a smaller little pocket of Lawrenceburg, named for Tyrone, Ireland. So these guys came over. They really just opened kind of like a general store at first. But back in that time period of the mid to late 1800s, there was a, a, over 180 different distilleries in Kentucky. And farmers themselves that weren't even licensed distillers were farmers would just use a pot still just to preserve yeah, and condense their grain. Absolutely. So not even consider the majority of people just making their own whiskey. There was 180 licensed distillers back then compared to today where we are essentially booming, you know, because of the popularity of whiskey right now, there's about 70 distilleries in Kentucky and that's different spirits as well. You know, we have brandy producers down there. We have distilleries that, aren't releasing their bourbon yet that are making vodka and gin, uh, different stuff like that. So back then in the 1800s, it was booming even more than it is now. And this family really made a name for themselves and really invested and opened a bunch of different distilleries between the 1860s and the late 1880s. So they um, took over a distillery called Old Moor, which they rebuilt and renamed to Old Hickory Springs. 
And that is what eventually became Wild Turkey. Wow. So the Rippy brand itself, we do have a little bit of a closer tie to that with Wild Turkey. In fact, when Jimmy started at what the time, it was not Wild Turkey Distillery yet. It was actually still called the Boulevard Distillery. We actually made a lot of JTS Brown back there back oh, in the day. We were the Boulevard, people even just called it the JTS Brown Distillery. That's where Jimmy started, but that was actually owned by ancestors of the Rippies. So, I mean, we're very closely connected to them. For sure. Right? So with this whiskey, it's a little bit older than the Bond and Lillard. In this batch, we're looking at a batch of mostly eight and 12-year-old bourbons. So if you guys remember, like I said, rare breed, six, eight, and 12, a little closer to that formula. This is bottled at 104 proof, so a little higher, but not as high as rare breed. And then the one thing that makes this different from, well, something that makes this even more different from the rest of the whiskeys we've tasted tonight, this is non-chill filter. So chill filtration, something that, I mean, the majority of it, all whiskeys that you taste are chill filtered. It's not something that people have ever talked about until recently, um, but it's essentially done for aesthetics or consistency. Um, if you don't chill filter a whiskey and you bottle it below, say like 90 proof, there's these- um, The fusel oils will fusel coagulate. oils, fat, lipid fats, proteins, these things that if your whiskey cools down, it'll actually become cloudy and the appearance, maybe the general consumer who's not a big whiskey drinker might see that and think something's wrong with their whiskey. Yeah, it gets cloudy or it even can get strands. You'll see those oils will start to, to, to bond and you'll get these like kind of like snotty looking strings in your whiskey if there's enough oils in it, you know? Yeah. So it's not, it's, it's debatable whether it takes away a lot from a whiskey by chill well, filtering. I think if you're taking out the oils, those are flavor cogeners. Those are like, yeah. if you're, I mean, if you're, you can, you can lose flavor. That's, I mean, I love how oily and, and unctuous this, this whiskey is. I mean, absolutely. what are you guys thinking? Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth, share your experience. This is a community forum for you. Melons, wow. Okay, now that always blows my mind. When people bring up melons, and, it, and it's coming from wood, that just blows my mind. Like, how do you get like those beautiful summer fruits from, from charred oak? That just, I wanna know, that's crazy. I've tasted a single malt scotch that tasted like a watermelon Jolly Rancher before. Wow. But yeah, exactly, I mean like trop, little tropical, like banana even, mm -hmm. banana bread. nut bread. Mm -hmm. like. Well, that's what we're talking about. See, like A plus B does not always equal C. That there's a confluence of influences. When you get those fused oils interacting, with the alcohol, the ethanol, and the, the oak, it, they can create new flavor compounds that by themselves wouldn't exist. You know, it's like they slowly merge through that time in the barrel and create whole new flavors. That's the romance of the rack house right there. The, the, the yeah. Pedro's new Instagram handle. That's, you know. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I have a feeling there's been some babies made in some rack houses. <laughs> yeah, what do you guys think about this old Rippy? What's the bottle price if I was going to try to track down? It's, I know it's, it's highly the, allocated. It's the same as the Bond and Lillard. They both only come in the 375. They're both around that $50 mark. But like I said, California got a bunch of this stuff. Because we're so big, we have power. So 
I mean, only a handful of states even got this. It was available at the Wild Turkey Distillery Visitor Center, and then like maybe like eight states got it. So this, most of them are out. Right. So check out these cool bottles. I mean, this is a gorgeous package. Like this heavy glass, this jewel, jewel cut bottle. I mean, and it's really cool. Like this actually tells a story yeah. as well on the label. Hey Benny, well, how much was the rare breed again for the bottle? You said it was like seventy-five. All uh, no rare regular rare breed is also. Yeah, it's just a four forty dollar bottle ish. This yeah, I seriously think this might be. I'll go on record. This might be the best bargain in the whiskey world. Bang for the buck. I Bang think a lot buck. of people would 160, agree. 116 proof. This is like one of my favorite spirits on the planet right here. And it's under $50 a bottle. So like that goes to show you like one of the things that the Whiskey Society is for is to understand that like just because something's old and expensive doesn't mean it's good. We, we're lucky. We live in America. We have Kentucky producing all these incredible spirits, and they don't have to pay export tax to get it to us. It just comes right down Route 66. Bam, here we go. Yeah. That's amazing yeah. whiskey for under 50 bucks. This whiskey stands up with any whiskey in the world, in my mind, and it's for under $50 a bottle. Yeah. And just to piggyback on what he said about, you know, age just being a number, older isn't better. If you ask Jimmy Russell who's literally, again, been doing this longer than anyone. Bourbon is ideal between 8 and 13 years. That's what we believe for a long time. Now we have Eddie coming in. Like I said, he likes to experiment a little more. So you are seeing older whiskey from Wild Turkey. Uh, but you're also seeing a little bit of younger. We like that 6 to 7-year-old range as well mm -hmm. because you get some of that distillate flavor. And as it's just starting to convert and get some of those sweeter notes, that's when you can capture it with some of those fruitier characteristics as well before it gets too oaky. I really think this is a brilliant line. I thought those guys are like really onto something here. Reinvigorating these old brands, bringing us a sense of history with this cool old packaging, but just showing us great bargains as well. You know, like incredible flavor profile at an affordable price. I. I'm in love. This yeah. is amazing. Yeah, right? You guys, let's give it up for Mr. Benny Hurwitz here. Thank you, man, for coming out tonight. This is a really big deal. Thank you, man. Again, this is the Whiskey Baron series. Yeah. Reinvigorating some old brands, trying to turn you on to a very traditional style of bourbon that in, in some of the craft distilling world is, is kind of being taken in a different direction. Yeah. This goes back to the old school. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember. Remember.